0: Hello and welcome to the Family Law Podcast brought to you by Pump Court Chambers. Every week we look at relevant issues concerning family law and today I'm delighted to be joined by Caroline Bayless of Excalibur Actuaries who's going to be speaking us Uh, to us about ring fencing pensions after the recent decision of W and H by His Honour Judge Hess. Caroline will be known to many of us as one of the leading pension experts in financial remedies cases. Not only does she possess vast experience of advising on pension issues following divorce, but for anyone reading her reports, they will know that she has a great talent for explaining often extremely complex issues in a way that is readily understandable to us mere laymen. She's experienced speaking at a number of seminars, including Pump Court's own Family Finance Day. And so, Caroline, we are absolutely delighted to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. Caroline, as many listeners are probably aware pensions came under the judicial microscope for the first time since the pag report in July 2019 in a case called W and H and the reference is W and H divorce financial remedies 2020 EWFCB10 uh, Caroline just for the read or listeners benefit i am just going to spend a moment just saying the the hmm. facts of the case and then I want to ask you a, a few questions about it. Because sure. Hess has given us um quite a few um uh, bits of food for thought really on how to approach these pension cases. So the facts of it of W and H um were fairly unremarkable in that it involved um, a long marriage. The parties were in their 50s, they had three children, and there were two key assets. The first was a family home with a value of about 750,000 and the second were the parties combined pensions worth over about 2.3 million. The husband had the largest pension, which was a defined benefit pension, with a CV of over 2.1 million. And in the course of his judgment, um, His Honour Judge Hess addressed three common issues facing practitioners when uh, considering pensions. The first was whether pension capital should be divided with reference to CEV, the capital value, or uh, by um, reference to Uh, the sum required to produce equality of income. And I think in broad terms, uh, His Honour Judge Hess said uh, that that usually the fairer outcome, particularly in a longer marriage, was uh, equality of income. He then looked at a second issue, which was, should there be any ring fencing uh, of premarital, postmarital pension assets? And this is what we're going to Put most of our focus on today because His Honor Judge Hess um, uh, said that, uh, much in line with the findings of the PAG report, and of course, uh, His Honor Judge Hess was on the PAG committee, that in a needs case, it was unlikely to be fair for a pension uh, to be ring fenced in any way. He then also went on to specifically consider. Um, the methodology or process of straight-line apportionment. And he cast doubt over the fairness of, of that apportionment. Um, and that's something Caroline and I are going to be discussing in a bit more detail. The third uh, issue that he considered is whether or not there should be uh, offsetting uh, in an appropriate Case And again, in sort of general terms, he said that it offsetting as a methodology was unlikely to be fair because it was like comparing apples and pears. So, I mean, Caroline, the first thing to say, of course, is that um, whilst he made some very broad comments, um, these are uh, all comments that he made in the context of this case. Um, do you see his comments as being the end of ring fencing? Uh, probably not, given the sort of
1: instructions I'm I'm getting at the moment. I'm I'm seeing an awful lot of ring fencing cases, um, and possibly his comments are really just um, opening another door to disagreement. Um, because yeah. now you've got the, the method of ring fencing. Um, being un- under dispute as well.
0: Yeah, so the method under, uh, under scrutiny is the straight line apportionment method. Can you just tell our listeners a bit, just a bit more about that? What does that actually mean? Yeah, sure. So in
1: a standard defined benefit uh, pension, where your, benef- where your pension is based on a formula. So it's a certain amount of pension for each year that you've worked. So maybe typically a, a 60th of your salary for each year that you've worked. Um, so that after 10 years, you've earned 10 sixtieths of your salary as pension. Under a straight line apportionment, you might say, well, you worked at this company for 10 years. For eight of those years, you, you were married. So eight tenths, 80% of your pension is relating to to the marriage. So that's what uh, he means there by a straight line apportionment.
0: And I think um, Hess's view, well well, perhaps you can explain um, why Hess thought that 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 method might create unfairness.
1: Well one of the other features of the traditional Farno Sari scheme is that your pension is all based on the salary at, at the time that you leave the scheme. Mm. So even if your salary was very low when you started in a scheme and it's got a lot higher now, all your pension is based on that, that higher salary. Yeah. So while you might've earned pension based on a small salary in, in year one, yes. by year 10, you're earning the salary for year 10 plus pension based on all the salary inflation you've had overall than all the previous years so what he's saying here is that you're earning a lot more in the later years because the more early years that you have the more pension you're getting in respect
0: of those early years as well does does that make sense it it does it does caroline i mean i'm just interested because. as far as I'm aware, and you'll correct me if if I'm wrong, but in so many of the um, pension reports that I've ever received, when when we are looking at uh, ring fencing, that is one of the methodologies that is always referred to. And I'm just wondering to myself, if it is now thought to be so unfair, why has it been so consistently used? in the past and what are the alternatives well i'm not
1: sure that i took from this judgment that it was unfair across the board i took uh, and and maybe this is the latent lawyer in me coming out um, I, I i saw some some wordings as where he referred to as in the present case so i, I was seeing this as particularly relating to this particular case um, I mean, the reason, really, I think that straight line um, is prevalent is that it can certainly be seen to be fair.
0: Yeah. Um, in what so, kind of case, in what kind of case would you feel really confident that that a straight line methodology is fair?
1: Well, I think if I think of a of an example, let's say husband for the for the sake of argument joins the scheme, he's there for ten years. And let's say at that stage he's on a salary of eighteen thousand. So ten sixtieths of eighteen thousand is three thousand. Yeah. Then say say the wife then joins the same pension scheme, and they're both there for another twenty years, and they end up on a salary of thirty thousand. Wife has a pension of twenty sixtieths of thirty thousand, which is 10000 pounds. Now husband, because he's been there for thirty years. He has a pension of 36 ths of 30,000, which is 15,000. But I would have thought that it would be intuitively sensible to say that husband and wife have both earned the same amount of pension for the period, those 20 years where they were both married and both earning the same salaries. But under Hess's approach, if we assume that there was no inflation and the like, then wife would have to Ten thousand from the marriage and husband would have twelve because we'd be assuming that he hadn 't had any salary increases from from the premarital bit um, now that 's a bit complicated I know but i think I think you would say intuitively that if the two parties had been there working in the same job at the same time in the same pension scheme that their their pension from the marriage would would be the same now I think in in hv uh, wVh um, Husband's salary had gone up a lot. Yeah, over the period, and that might be part of the reason that uh, the judge thought it, it was this was a a non standard case where straight line might not be appropriate. Yeah, but of so, course, one of the issues you've got whenever you try and um, do anything other than straight line is that getting hold of historic data
0: mm. can be really really difficult. So. Caroline, what are the other methodologies that we might consider when we're looking to ring fence part of the pension?
1: So so what Judge Hess has suggested here is effectively having a look at what the pension was when the parties got together, um, and then adding some inflation over the period from 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 then and effect- effectively knocking it off the the final pension um which is not unreasonable i think there's just a danger though that you're going to struggle to get hold of the information um you know you might you might have a 20 20 year marriage maybe uh records aren't what they were pension schemes have moved administrators four times since then um so it can be quite hard to, to to get and that's you know it's even harder if if the member is now a deferred member um and they've since left left the company so that's one one way might where it might be a bit tricky
0: so is Um, that what's the name of that methodology is this a deferred well you'd call it i think probably a deferred pension method and i
1: think when when we look at the the pad report they, they refer to something similar there as a deferred pension method okay okay so the other one that the PAG report talks about is the cash equivalent met- method, which takes a cash equivalent at a historic date, right, um, and then makes some adjustments based on that. I have to say, i i don't uh, I don't really like that method at all. Um, well, again, why is that? It's, oh, well, it's a, it's very hard to get hold of a historic yeah. cash equivalent. Um, but if you make no adjustments for it then you're really not taking into account the change in the underlying markets over the over time the fact that the member is a lot closer to retirement now and so would need more money just to provide the same amount of pension Um, and you know you just it's it's really really hard and quite apart from which of course that cash equivalents aren't always a fair reflection of the actual value of the of the benefit mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. any any one of your um uh colleagues who've seen seen any any of our reports certainly will see anything to do with the, the public sector for example the cash yeah. equivalents are only worth what only worth about two-thirds of what we think are the value of the benefits yeah anyway so you're, you're starting from something that, that has a lot of huge. problems yeah before before you've gone anywhere at all with that
0: and I mean I guess
1: to my to my mind using a historic cash equivalent is a bit like saying well you know use the value of your house 20 years ago mm. as, as a proxy for for the you know how much you should you should get out of it um, mm. you know none of us would think that the housing market is the same now as it, as it was 20 20 years ago and, and it's, it's similar sort of sort of thing with cash equivalents they change over time. You know because the member ages and because underlying you know the, the the world around them changes
0: and should we have different considerations dependent on whether we've got a defined benefits uh pension or a defined contributions pension when we're looking at ring fencing
1: yes, I think so i mean I, 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 again you know with well with defined benefit, which is what we've talked about yeah um up up till now um there's a certain amount of, you know you've got about you've got to do what you can can do with with this the, the information's not not always available with defined contributions it might sometimes be easier because the provider can often um, provide us with a contribution history, so then I can look at that and i say well if if investment returns have been consistent over time i can I can carve off the uh, the, the premarital uh, contributions which of course is particularly important if they have been a bit lumpy yeah.
0: um
1: you know perhaps you know somebody puts in contributions put their bonus into their pension scheme every year and that bonus has changed and maybe been non-existent some years um, so where we can get hold of uh, a contribution history that's what we'll we'll use
0: yeah
1: but again data can be a bit of a problem if you've got somebody who's transferred a number of uh, schemes into a consolidated scheme you've got different lumps of money that have come from different places now you know the the pension companies aren't going the pension company that you're with isn't going to have a record of what the contribution history was for that transfer in because it's not part of the information they need so they know that you got two hundred fifty thousand pounds into your pension scheme 10 years ago and it was from a transfer but that could be uh, based on 20 years service or
0: two years service for mm. a way and so it doesn't leave us with many options does it um, no and and certainly for even for dc
1: sometimes we end up having to use a sort of a, a straight line method again yeah. you know just proportion proportion of um service inside and outside the the pensions um, in, inside and outside the marriage, just to, to apportion it, because quite often there's there's just nothing nothing better to nothing better available.
0: Yeah,
1: which and probably I... takes us back to the fact that maybe we shouldn't be ring fencing at
0: all. Well, I was going to say that just plays into the argument that actually, um, you know, how uh, as with capital assets, um, a court is un- is unlikely to. Uh, ring fence, if it finds that a capital asset that was premarital has been well and truly mingled, and you see in this situation when it, when it 's hard to actually define what the pension was pre marriage or post marriage that that sort of that sort of supports the argument that actually it has all been mingled. Um, and how can you say what what's premarital? Um, I think people yeah. I think people are just you know they do view pensions in in a slightly different way to capital because they sort of put it on you, don't they? They sort of say, <laughs> well, you give us you give us a figure that that represents non-marital pensions here, and we can then say, well we can clearly define it and it's not mingled and so can we exclude it
1: yeah i mean one of the interesting things about this um about the judge's approach in this case is that he's he's, you know he's certainly very much favored the the wife in in that situation yeah um whereas normally i think when i'm being asked to do it on a different basis it's it's uh it's favouring the pension holder, if you like.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, I think, I think that the, as you've pointed out, the, the, the really key things about this case was that actually it was very fact-specific. We were dealing with a very, very long marriage, and ultimately, you know, it was a needs case. And so it, it's very difficult to talk about ring fencing in that sort of uh, situation. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm interested. I'm really interested to hear Caroline that you're saying you've got still high amounts of instructions which are asking you to look at ring fencing. Um, it would seem that people are sort of not taking heed of W and H.
1: Well, and I, and I think actually, you know, the 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 PAG report also uh, mm. s- came came to the same sort of conclusion. So. While well, I guess, you know, w is is relatively fresh, um, the PAG report's well mm-hmm. over a year old now. And, and I haven't, I wouldn't say that I've really seen any noticeable change in the the number of ring fencing
0: requests uh, as a result. Yeah, that's so interesting. So just, just talking about your instructions, that leads me on to my next question, which is, um, what would you recommend or advise instructing solicitors who want to uh, seek advice about ring fencing. What would you advise them to put in the letter of instructions um, as to methodology?
1: Um, I wonder if some sometimes method asking them to specify methodology might be going going a bit far. Quite often, it's quite hard to even get them to to tell me the dates that each pension relates to. <laughs> um, but <laughs> putting putting that to 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 one side, I guess I. Th- I think if um, if somebody wanted me to to not straight line a portion a defined benefit pension, I guess I might ask them to to give me their their justification. Yeah,
0: that,
1: which which at least might um, re, you know mean that the solicitors themselves need to agree it mm. early up because you know I I obviously don't have the full facts of of, of yeah. the two parties um i, I so, guess
0: yeah that's a good point i mean i guess if the solicitors are agreed as to which methodology should be used they can't then say well there shouldn't be ring fencing because you've used a straight line methodology yeah yeah
1: yeah but uh, but i think you know I, I i guess as i say to my, to, to my mind st- straight lines pretty appropriate in in most cases hmm. um but uh yes if you've got if you've got um, atmospheric sal- salary growth it, it might not be but we would use straight lines still as a as a default in the absence of other information
0: yeah okay and so i just wonder we've got a few minutes i just wonder whether we might speak very briefly about offsetting sure. um, because i know the pag report set out the various different um methods of offsetting and i just wondered whether you could give us a sort of whistle stop tour as to the sort of principle different methods and the the benefits and disadvantages or of each of those sure um well i think i think
1: the the, the first thing to say up front is that there isn't really a uh, an agreed way of way of doing this and and certainly you know different Actu- actuaries, and different um, divorce experts will, will come up with different answers mm-hmm. for this. Um, our approach is is to, to look at a number of different ways of, of thinking about offsetting. Yes. So what we where we start with is, well, what's the value of the pension being given up? Um, and And largely that's you know what it would cost you to buy a, a sort of annuity outside a pension scheme in in, in the market yeah um, but then there's there's other other things to think about because for example, if you've got um funds outside a pension scheme, you don't get all the tax benefits no. of of being in a pension scheme, so we need to make an, an adjustment for that, but then there's also more tax payables so you need to make an adjustment uh, for that too in the other, in the other direction so that's one adjustment we make and then and, and we present both of those figures yeah um, we'll also present a, a third figure that that is a sort of a, a quasi utility approach and and obviously we we're, we're aware that it's you know it's, it's down, to, down to the judge to to make that decision this is just to um, yeah. assist in 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 showing a sensitivity if if you like yeah,
0: yeah. so what
1: we do is we say well yes it, being outside a pension pension scheme might have you know uh tax penalties and, and and things um but but also it's a lot more flexible um than than money in pension scheme that's tied up to the to the 55 and 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 can only be sort of taken taken outside the pension scheme you know outside that you know a, a huge tax penalty so we make um an adjustment to to allow for that and then the fourth figure we supply is a sort of a quasi Duxbury style um uh figure which of course is you know very low in in comparison and I think you know my understanding certainly is that Duxbury's viewed as a sort of you know a risky style investment so you know you'd have to put it into something that would get you great big returns to um, to to achieve that those same yeah. outcomes on a Duxbury basis um but it, it gives you know it, it gives the solicitor um something that they're familiar with as a, as a floor if you like
0: yeah because I mean my understanding is annuity based offsetting is always the most expensive. Yeah. Uh, method available and i, I get, with the costs of annuities at the moment it, it just seems that that's never going to be something that is um very fair or accurate is that is that going too far to say
1: no look i think i think i think you, you need to make um some allowance somewhere for the fact that money outside a pension scheme has more flexibility. You can go and buy a Ferrari with it or, or, Mm. or whatever, however sensible that might not, that might not be. And I think you should, you should make some sort of allowance for, for the fact that it's not going to be, you know, tied up for 40, tied up for 40 years paying, paying a pension. Um, and don't forget an annuity. Um, you know, a, a, an old fashioned annuity, if you like, you know, insurance from an insurance company provides all sorts of guarantees, which must be paid for. Yeah. Not to mention the insurance company's profit margin, of course.
0: And then on the other side, there, the, as you, you've mentioned, the duck spree. and that's, as I understand it, always thought of as being quite a low uh, yeah. off- offsetting value
1: yeah so so we, we we put together these these four values, and if you like the the sort of the 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 cost of buying the pension is is a is a, is a cap and the, and the Duxbury is a collar, so've yeah. got to sort of, they're, they're the top and bottom of the range
0: and do you provide those different offsetting calculations just as a matter of course or only if yeah. specifically asked for a range?
1: No, we, we that's that's what we do because because we, we acknowledge that there isn't you know there isn't a, a an accepted approach. Yet. Yeah. So you know, our 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 idea is to 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 give the judge a sort of a a range of scenarios to to look at.
0: Yeah. And I mean, do you agree with um, Judge Hess when he says, really, you shouldn't be trying to offset? Uh, at all because it, it it's just inherently unfair
1: um I, I i certainly take his point that they are you know they are very different so, sorts of assets i mean there are occasions when there isn't really an alternative mm. or or there's less you know there's a, there's not very good alternatives to to offsetting um so for example if you've got a pension that's um been accrued overseas you might not be able to split it yeah from a from a uk court and you also may not be able to find anywhere to accept the pension credit
0: mm-hmm. um
1: you know certainly not you know certainly not a uk pension scheme so um that might be one scenario um one of the other scenarios is if you've got something like a, a self-invested personal pension where you know we, we see this quite quite frequently where um perhaps uh, the party whose pension it is um, is running a small business and the, the the SIP is is an owner of the property that yes. uh, that they trade from um, now you know it's it's probably not in anybody's interest to liquidate liquidate the property um, to be able to pay a pension sharing order or to, to draw a loan against it or, or whatever so maybe in that sort of case it it an alternative it does make sense and i think probably the the third case where it would you know they make it makes more sense than, than not offsetting is if maybe there's a there's a high cost associated with it yeah um for example if you've you know you need a small bit of a of the third pension to to top up to equal incomes then maybe it makes sense to offset that amount because actually you only need to you know do a pension credit of five thousand pounds from that scheme, and yeah. and they're charging you two and a half thousand pounds in in fees. Yeah. Um, then it might be just make sense to, you know, introduce some sort of cash transfer to, uh, to to buy that bit out.
0: Well, Caroline, that has been really informative and helpful. Thank you so much. I think we'd better leave it there. I could go on <laughs> talking to you about this. For, for hours, if I was allowed. Um, <laughs> Nobody but, ever says that about pensions. <laughs> no, I have found it so interesting. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, my
0: pleasure. Um, please tune in to listen to our next podcast, where I will be joined uh, by uh, another member of Pump Court Chambers talking about a topical family law subject. As ever if anyone has any ideas for further topic areas Mark and I would love to hear from you and you can find our email addresses on the Pump Court website www.pumpcourtchambers.com and episodes are available to download or stream on iTunes, Spotify, Google and our Chambers website.